Now, Pastor Brent was sharing here last week, and some of you may or may not, not have been here, but he kind of took everybody on a tour of worship music through the decades. Did you guys enjoy that? Some of you are like, it's just like really good, really good. I, thought, I, I saw it after the fact, and I thought it was awesome, but I think he missed a couple things, because did he show you this? I just did that because sometimes I like to see myself in a wig. <laughs> Do you see that hair? Do you see that skin? Oh my gosh. I, I, in those days, I could look in the mirror and not ask, what happened? <laughs> oh, the best is yet to come. That's right. That's right. I just did that for fun. Today we're going to, you know, we're continuing this series called Wonder, and we're really talking about worship and awakening to it in a new way, and that's why we've turned our services upside down and doing worship at the end and kind of message at, at the, in, the, in the beginning part, because we want to respond to what God is saying to us, and it's important for you to understand that we're in a long journey in our church, a, a, a journey over the last, I don't know, the last year, I mean, the last three years have been, seems like chaos. But last year we decided we're gonna take a journey and we're gonna turn our culture into something that's a little bit more disciple-driven, uh, a little bit more about following Jesus every day and making sure that you are practicing the ways of Jesus in your personal life and that we're doing that together as a community. And that's why we started talking about the Surrender Solution last semester. You can see it here. Uh, we started to work our way through that. We spent a whole semester. If you missed some of that, you can go back and pick it up on our YouTube channel. Uh, but, but we started here in the middle, talked about uh, love and obedience is really... Uh, the heart of a disciple, and uh, truth be told, this whole series is about that heart, because love plus obedience is worship. Love and obedience is worshiping God, and worship is very expansive, but you can, you can see there's all these elements, and we're going to spend the next year or two traveling through each of these areas, because this is going to end up being a tool for our church to lead us through what it looks like to follow Jesus closely. Everybody needs a, some tools and resources to help them, and we're gonna create them here over the next, and the beautiful thing about this, this list is, I love this list because what's so cool about it is the best writers, the best authors, the best historians have already written on all these ideas, and we're just gonna unpack them over the next couple of years. And so we're, so, so we're in the center, we're talking about worship here, uh, and each series this year we'll talk about one of these elements, okay? So I just want to remind you of that, and so today we're going to talk about how to worship your way through it. Everybody say it with me. Worship your way through it. One more time. Worship your way through it. Let's start in Psalm 27. Verse 1 says, this is David, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? 
When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. <laughs> what? Why is David so confident here? What is going on inside of him? Where is this bravado coming from? Where is this courageous assurance coming from in him? Where he's saying, I don't have to be afraid of anything. I think the answer is in verse four. Look at it. It says, this one thing I ask of the Lord. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. As his, at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. There is only one source for this kind of confidence that David has, and it is the matchless, overwhelming, consuming presence of God. And he's talking about the physical sanctuary, the temple, this tent where God was dwelling, this place, but it's also a very, a very strong analogy and metaphor for the sanctuary that, that you each possess your own heart, your own body, as the New Testament speaks of it. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We gather here in this sanctuary, and when we do, there should be a dynamic and powerful sense of God's presence whenever we do it. In an age of consumer worship, with programmed and packaged music selections. <laughs> we have to stop and ask ourselves, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Honesty must be a, 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 a part of our worship. This integrity of worship. Worship's not just a magical pixie dust we sprinkle over ourselves to a, a make the world go away. It's not just a, a drug to be consumed or a buzz to be chased. It is a revelation of who God is that consumes us. If Jesus is just Lord over the happy times, then you're only gonna be a good worshiper when it feels good. If Jesus is Lord of your life, only when things are going right and things are going well, you're not the worshiper that the Father is seeking. Did you know that God is seeking worshipers? He's not seeking worship, by the way. He's seeking people he can share with, share his life, share his love with, collaborate in the earth with. John 4.23 says it at the end of a long engagement with a woman, a Samaritan woman at a well, Jesus says these words. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's how I would say it. The Father is seeking honest 
and supernatural worship. He's seeking this honest and supernatural worship that comes out of people. He's, wor- he, he's seeking these people that need him, that want to know him. Not escaping, not just drugging ourselves with something that we could maybe last till Tuesday, but bringing our lives to the feet of Jesus and identifying fully with, our, with suffering and hardship that has happened here in, in our world. And we lay our lives down and surrender our lives to him. It's a gut level honesty that says we need him. A supernaturally spiritual worship that God wants for you, for you, not from you. For you, not from you. Truthful and spiritual, never trite and superficial. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible, he said this, he said, people's lives are only as good as their worship. If Jesus is Lord, over your entire life, then worship necessarily includes the full spectrum of our emotions and our experiences. You gotta bring it all to him. You gotta bring everything to him. This is what is all through the Psalms. If you take a journey through the Psalms, you will find it everywhere. I'll read a couple here. Psalm 13, for the director of music, a Psalm of David. David starts out, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Did you see the the pivot? Did you see it? He's saying, this is bad. God, where are you? When are you gonna show up? How come this keeps going on so long? Anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? Okay, you need to pray more of them. Those are honest prayers. That's honest worship. That's the reality of your life being poured out to God. And sometimes it's hard to do that in a prosperous culture because we can just always fix things ourselves. So instead of throwing yourself down in utter dependence and desperation on God, you just go figure out another way. In the Psalms, there's often a pivot where honesty takes a turn toward faith. And you see it here in verse five. He says, but, every good Psalms has a but. (laughs) But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 84 is another one. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on A pilgrimage, everybody say that word with me. A pilgrimage, 
a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. Now, David is talking about the actual trail that leads to Jerusalem that is a, a, a place, a pathway where people would travel up to the place of God, the tent of meeting, the temple in Jerusalem. And they would do this a few times a year. But he uses this word, pilgrimage. And then he describes what it does for a person as they pass through the valley of weeping. It becomes a place of refreshing. As they, as they come and they worship Something changes in them. As they climb this hill, they become stronger. Each of them begins to be clothed with blessings from God like rain. Pilgrimage means journey, path, hills, valleys. He's describing the up and down pathway to to Jerusalem, but it could easily also describe your life and my life the up and down pathways, the hills and the valleys, the difficulty, the challenges, the overwhelming odds that you won't make it. Something incredible happens when you choose to worship God in the midst of difficulty. That's the message today. Something profound, something big. And that worship doesn't have to be a lie. It doesn't have to be fake. I'm not talking about just participating in something by going through the motion. I'm talking about an honesty that comes out of the depths of your soul. That shares with God where you really are versus where other people really think you are. When you worship your way through disappointment, God turns the wilderness into a wonder. When you worship your way through a tragedy, God turns the valley of despair into a valley of delight. It really does happen. And we all have despair. We're all gonna walk through tragedy. We're all gonna walk through a certain amount of disappointment. And the question you and I have to ask and answer is what will we do when we get there? Will we turn to the God of our strength? Will we turn to the the one and the only one who can bless us, even though we don't see it? Some of you know my history at a church in Colorado where there was a shooting. And on one Sunday morning, a young man with a thousand rounds of ammunition showed up and started shooting people. And it was terrorizing. It was it was the worst thing you could imagine. I remember the people, I was having lunch up in the second story of the church in an office with some other pastors, and I, I remember their faces. They broke through the door and said, we have shooters in the building. They didn't know what was going on yet. It was the weirdest thing. I got up. I didn't listen for instructions. I didn't need to hear what senior pastor was gonna say, uh, we had a guest speaker that day, I didn't wait to listen, I took off. And you know why? Because my son was downstairs. It was a weird primal parental instinct. 
I'm just going to go get him. Turns out he was safe behind a dumpster, hiding. But that process showed me another facet of the heart of God when we're in danger. And how he, 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 he sees, he knows. Even if, even if he's, he can't pluck you out from that dumpster, behind that dumpster, <laughs> he knows and he's on his way to get you. He wired that, that's hardwired into me. That's image of God stuff right there. But that's not the great part about this story. The sad reality is two girls lost their lives that day. Rachel and Stephanie Works. And a few others were injured, but that, that young man was put down by one of the security guards and that, per- that security guard saved a lot of people's lives that day. But I remember after that event, it was just heartbreaking in our church. And there was this, this sense of, um, I don't know what you, call, what you would call it. You would call it grief. You would call it soberness. When we'd gather for worship, it was, it was literally like a funeral for several, for weeks and weeks. Because we were just walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But we would gather together on Sunday mornings and we would start to worship God. And something happened to our church. I would be worshiping on stage and leading other people in worship and I would look over here to my left and over here every Sunday I would see David and Marie Works, those two girls, father and mother. And I would see them standing there and I would see them with hands in the air worshiping God through their grief, looking to God through the greatest pain in their lives. I don't know how they did it. The truth is, I don't know how I do it sometimes. The truth is, you always have a choice. And it's not that, it's not that God doesn't understand your process. It's not that he, he totally is okay with you in a journey. And when you don't have the strength to do it, you just need to sit somewhere and B, that's okay too. But what I want to whisper to you is that you have some of your worst moments in your life when you don't know what else to do. The honesty and integrity of worship is something that begins to change everything about what has happened. It begins to soothe your soul. The peace of the Holy Spirit comes upon you in a, in a way when you look to God for the solution rather than to your own anger. It's possible to be angry and sin not. Don't misunderstand me. Grief has a lot of anger in it. Grief has a lot of frustration. Grief has a lot of tension in it 
because things aren't right. This is wrong. This is not how it should be. Every person comes to a moment in their life that feels like that. And what I would tell you is, this broken world has plenty of bad things that can try to take us off track. God does not cause them. He heals you from them. And the biggest question we'll all have to ask when we get to heaven is, well, why didn't you stop that? You could have stopped it, but you didn't. Why didn't, why didn't, you, why didn't you do that for me like you did for Joe down the street or Mary in the church? That's the hardest question. I can't answer that question for you. All I know is that God has a good plan for you and me, and very often that good plan begins to materialize in the midst of an honest and broken heart that pours itself out to God and says, God, I have nothing else. I have no other solutions. I have nothing else that I can do. Some of them I want to do. <laughs> I want to go be angry and hurt that person or do this to that. I want to do that. I want to just, oh, I just want to disappear. I want to I want to go to heaven where my loved one is. All of those occur to us as we're going through hard things. But here's what I would tell you. Something happens when you enter in to an honesty in worship that gives God a place in your grief, that gives God a place, a role in your heartache. Don't keep him out of it. Look to him for it. Psalm 73 says, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. This is the way Christians often think. Why do bad things, bad things happen to me and nice things happen to everybody else? This is what the psalmist is going through right here. I don't understand. This world is so unfair. Verse 13, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. I felt like that from time to time. I'm sure you have too. Verse 15 says, if I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, your people. God, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Notice the next line. Notice it. Look at it. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Then I understood what's going on in the world. Then I understood that there is a judge who will have his way one day. In the future, he will come, he will judge. It is not my place to judge. When I start to get involved in judging, that is a, a, a way of misery for me and you. God's the only judge, he's the only one who can. That's what Matthew 7 says, that's what lots of Psalms say, settle it, he's the judge. You don't get into the judging business. You and I are into the worship business. We're into the worship of God because he's the only way. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is the only one who brings peace that can soothe the, the wounded soul. Our Father God is the only one who is just enough to judge 
rightly and to have mercy on all who should receive mercy. And I'll tell you, I'm not perfect. I haven't lived a perfect life. I need God's mercy. I'm sure you feel the same. In the unfairness of this world that we live in, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to figure out why things are happening. Here's what I would encourage you to do today. And we're just gonna spend a few moments in worship now. I'd encourage you to worship him honestly and openly. I encourage you not just to maybe get down on your knees because that's a thing you should do, but a thing you must do because you need to pour out your heart to God. I want to open up this front here. Usually we have people here waiting for you to come and pray with them. I I don't want to do that today. I want the prayer team to be near that when people come forward, you can maybe lay your hands on them and pray for them. That's okay. But I just want to open this place down front here and say, this is a place where you can come and pour out your soul if you want to. The story I didn't tell is Paul and Silas in the jail. That's your homework this week. It'll be in the discussion groups for all of your small groups. The story in Acts 16. And how the, at midnight, there was a, the jailer heard singing going on. Paul and Silas had been bruised and beaten, whipped and wounded. They were bloodied. There were chains on their arms and legs. And they were there singing. They were there singing. They were worshiping God in the midst of their struggle and tragedy. There's something powerful that happens. Now, in the story, God breaks them out of jail, but they don't leave. How weird is that? They stay, and the jailer gets saved. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. I don't think the jailer was amazed by the earthquake that happened that broke open the prison. Are you following me? I think he was amazed by what happened before the earthquake. With a couple of guys that were bloodied and beaten, worshiping and singing hymns to God. That's what led him to Jesus. So I want you just to stand up right where you are and we're just going to sing, and you want to come forward, you want to walk around, you, you see somebody else you want to pray with, go pray with them. Turn this room into a prayer meeting. Turn this room into a place where we're just going to, where we're just going to come forward if you want to come. You can come down here and kneel. Let's wait, let's wait prayer people till, till they come. Sorry, I gave instructions before you walked in. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> let's just wait for them. Let's wait. And if, so if you want to come, come, no pressure. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you take us where we are. Whatever's happening in our lives, we bring it to you today, and we offer it to you. We ask you to help us worship our way through whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, whatever's on the horizon, whatever we're afraid of, whatever we're agonizing over. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd help us to walk through this pilgrimage 
and see it as a pilgrimage of worship to honor you and to put you in your rightful place in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and we worship you here. Amen.